You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. Not to be negative, Nelly, after a win, but the, you know, the pre-snap penalties, is, it's, it's a reoccurring issue on the road. Um, the four road games, that, you know, they've, they've all been a, a problem. So we, we have to have to get better there. We have to resolve that uh, because it's holding us back. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer, John McClane. From Sports Radio 610, right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. How was head coach Mike McCarthy of the Cowboys? They wrapped up week six of the NFL season with a victory over the Chargers, 20-17. to They improved to 4-2, and and the Chargers dropped to 2-3. and Join us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL is our good friend John McClain from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. John, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Before we dip into the NFL, John, i got to start on the diamond. Uh, the Astros are in an 0-2 hole to the Rangers. What have you seen from your, your Houston Astros this series so far? Not much. They've been <laughs> terrible at home all season. Um, 39-42 and 42 at home in regular Ooh. season. No team has ever had a losing record in regular season at home and gone to the World Series. Then they... They lose one at their one and one at home against Minnesota, went two in a row up there. Then they just went 0 and 2 at home here. And I'm writing a column right now that says the Astros have the Rangers right where they want them on the road because they were, let's see, 50 and 31 on the road before the playoffs. And it's their top hitters that got their lineup Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. Uh, Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker all hit better on the road than they did at home, and it wasn't close. So it's mystifying, inexplicable. Nobody has a reason. Nobody can figure it out. But now they go to Glove Life Field, and when they played there in September, the Astros just annihilated the Rangers in all three games. And what Bruce Bochy has done with the Rangers, cube, mm-hmm. and he has – taking them from choking in Seattle and blowing the division and the first round by to being undefeated in the playoffs, going from Seattle to Tampa, sweeping, going from Tampa to Baltimore, sweeping, then coming here and winning the first two. The Rangers are playing like the experienced playoff team, and the, Rain- the, the Astros are playing like the team that has no – Playoff experience yesterday were 06 runners in scoring position, one and nine in two games, base running blunders. They've made errors in the field. They chase pitches. And I'll tell you, uh, children know that if a guy throws 12 balls in a row and you're up, you don't swing. (laughs) So what happens? Chaz McCormick swings. It's a bad pitch, swings at another one, grounds out, takes them right out of a chance. To win, so it wants if they win this game Wednesday, Q, with uh, Christian Javier versus Max Scherzer, I'll think the Astros have a chance to win two out of three and come back here. Well, obviously they'll lose at home, but I think if they win, if the Rangers win on Wednesday, I think there's no way the American League Championship Series is coming back, and there'll be a lot of people all over the country who will be so glad that the Astros eliminated. Yeah, no, there will be. Uh, a lot of folks are still angry at the Astros for everything that happened when they won the World Series. Uh, it feels like now 40 pranks ago, but uh, people still talk about it to this day. But that's 
Man, to see what the Rangers have done has really blown my mind. As you know, I covered the Rangers for a really long time when I was in Central Texas. So it's just blown my mind to see how good they are playing and what Bruce Bochy has been able to done with, or do with that organization. Well, if the Astros aren't making the fans in Houston happy, I'm sure the Texans are. They're 3-3. Three and three. I know that's not the best record in the league, but C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans, they look like the real deal, John. They won three games last year. They won four in each of the previous two years. It's the first time they've been three and three since 2019. Last year they won the AFC South and won a wild card game before losing at Kansas City. And and people are pumped. There's a buzz. Before that Astros game yesterday, I was there. And you know, sellout crowd, 43,000. That includes 2,000 standing room. And they had all the pregame festivities. And then the team takes the field. And Fromber Valdez, the starter who was awful, he throws his warm-up pitches. And right when they're ready to go, they usually have a child down on the field yell out, play ball with his high-pitched voice. And they said, ladies and gentlemen, call your attention down the first baseline to Houston Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud and defensive end Will Anderson, Jr. And, boy, the fans were even wilder. And I was happy for them. They called out play ball. And it, it and I, I know they couldn't help but get caught up in the atmosphere, the electricity. And they had to think that if they, if they win, people here are so starved for a winner that they'll have that kind of crowd and that kind of reception at NRG Stadium. They're off this week. Then they go to Carolina. Panthers are winless. It'll be Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. And then they host Tampa Bay. Their schedule, with exception of the trip to Cincinnati, and that's not even as daunting as it was, and a schedule trip to the Jets, which is not as daunting as it was when Aaron Rodgers was playing, those are the two toughest. They have a home game against Jacksonville, and they blew out Jacksonville in Jacksonville. So that game on November 26, we're thinking here, that could, boy, they could be playing for something, even if it's just a chance to compete for a wild card berth. And in our wildest imagination, nobody here envisioned it. No, I'm sure they didn't. And, you know, looking at the division, uh, the AFC South, it's really close. I mean, the top team, Jacksonville, has got four wins. The bottom team, Tennessee, has two. So they're all knotted up. And, and John, I was talking about that earlier on the show, that there's 13 teams in the league right now with three wins. And there's 10 teams with less than three wins in the league. So that's 23 teams out of the 32 across the league. Is that the parity that the NFL is looking for? I don't think – I think people like to have a dominant team – like the Patriots were. You know, nobody feeling sorry for the Patriots right now. No, they're not. <laughs> the uh, Raiders beat them 21-17, and, and they're 1-5. in five. The worst starts in 1995 when Bill Belichick was in Cleveland. And they will not get any sympathy, and people can't wait to see what's going to happen there for the rest of the season and in the offseason. Does Robert Kraft make a change? And... Um, there are several teams that are glowingly bad, and they're one of them. But as far as the three and three, we don't have a dominant team. I thought it was the 49ers, and they get beat by the Browns, and they've lost two of their best playmakers. And Miami, really, right now at five and one, one blowout loss to the Bills. Uh, I, Miami and Detroit look to me right now, Q, like the best teams. Detroit is on a roll offensively and defensively, 
and they have beaten some good teams. They should clean up on the NFC North, which is terrible the way the Packers always did. So I'm not sure that Detroit is not the best team in the NFL right now. That's wild. <laughs> That's so wild to even think that, and I would have never thought it, but we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. And, again, like you said, there's not one dominant team like we're used to having. Again, we're talking with John McClain from Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Well, John, something that we've talked about quite a bit is the trade deadline. It's 14 days from now. It's on Halloween, October 31st. It's At one time, it was, it was something that nobody even – cared about because nothing ever happened now it's busy what are you expecting when the trade deadline comes up this year you look for players who um are in the last year of their contracts or have one year left veterans who teams might move try and get a pick to help them rebuild i would imagine that just about anybody on the patriots roster is available if you happen to want somebody from the patriots uh the patriots should be tanking and uh Denver, you could have anybody from Denver. And the key is having a fire sale but not getting what your guys are worth. And I think we're going to see a lot of that as teams jockey to get in position to draft USC quarterback uh, Caleb Williams or or North Carolina quarterback Drake May, Michael Penix of Washington, odds on favorite now, to win the Heisman. I watched Washington and Oregon. Saturday and Penning's looks so good. Mm-hmm. He's had two torn ACLs already. He'll be 24 when the season begins, but he is good. And so it's going to be the way it's shaping up a really good draft for quarterbacks. And you want to be in position to get one. And Q, isn't it amazing? Teams every year it seems like there's a few good quarterback possibilities, except for the year Kenny Pickett was only number one. And you had so many teams still need quarterbacks yeah that's the thing every team does not have that guy every team is hoping to get that guy but they don't what do you see john as the biggest disconnect i mean there's questions about bryce young in carolina as frank reich has handed over the play call into the oc i mean there's questions about a lot of these guys anthony richardson's probably out for the year what's the biggest reason for the struggles with the quarterbacks that come from college well usually impatience and had coaching system uh, there's so much that goes into young quarterbacks, and, and so much of it's mental. And Anthony Richardson, only starting 13 games in college, he was doing well, but he can't stay healthy. Right. Now he's done for the year. Watching and learning will probably be good for him. You know, it's way too early for anybody to judge Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud's the favorite for offensive rookie of the year. He's been playing great. So much of that has to do with the coaching and the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, who's a Kyle Shanahan disciple, mm. and they're doing a really good job with him. I mean, if you've got, say, Justin Fields, Justin Fields got a hand injury, but he played really well the two previous games. And so is, is he being screwed up because of the talent around him, the coaching, and so much of it is that, and owners want to pull the plug, and then they start all over. You get, I remember Peyton Manning, had Tom Moore coaching him for his first seven or eight years in the NFL. And that kind of stability is so good. You know, you fill in the players around them in the draft in free agents. A lot of them just don't do that. It starts at the top. 
Talking all things NFL right now with John McClain from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Speaking of a quarterback, how about Jalen Hurts? The Eagles suffered their first loss of the season to the uh, to the Jets. Uh, the Jets have that strong defense. How concerned should Philadelphia fans be with the, the lack of passing offense that the Eagles have so far this season? Well, that was his worst game. He had three interceptions. He threw for almost 300 yards, and his rating was less than 60. When your rating is worse than Zach Wilson – Something's wrong, and something is wrong in Philly because even when they win, they haven't had a dominant game yet. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it's coming, but remember this, kid. The last time a Super Bowl loser went back to the Super Bowl, other than New England, was Pittsburgh in the 90s. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. There is. That's something that we talk about all the time, right? We talk about that all the time. As much as guys want to get back to the Super Bowl, they, uh, they it's just so hard to make it happen. Well, what did you think? I mean, San Francisco, as you said, they lost to the Browns. What did you think about them, and, and are you concerned with their bounce back? When you take away two playmakers like Christian Caffrey and Debo Samuel and you got a second-year quarterback, no matter how well he's playing, you have to be concerned. And they play a physical brand of football. They always do. And that kind of physical football can take a toll, usually not at this point in the season, right. but later in the season. If they're getting beat up now, you know, they they ran for a little over 100 yards. McCaffrey had only 11 carries. And it's going to be interesting to see Brock Purdy only threw for 125 yards. His rating was even worse than Jalen Hurts. It's amazing that they couldn't beat P.J. Walker. Right. He started in place to Sean Watson. He, was, he had no touchdowns, two interceptions, a 45 rating, but their defense won it. It's unbelievable to me. Jim Schwartz has gone to, to Cleveland, turned that defense into a terror. They've yeah. given up fewer yards at this point than any team since 1971. And they don't have Nick Chubb. Right. Something else. They they ran for 160 yards and they averaged 4.7 yards a carry. They were missing one of their best offensive linemen, and that is that is impressive. But they better hope Sean Watson comes down soon. I don't think they can sustain it. No, no, not at all. They need the guy that they paid a whole lot of money to to be out there and be that guy. Well, John, fantastic stuff as always. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Q on SportsRadio610.com, where there's no paywall. I'm writing a column right now on the Astros and what they're facing tomorrow against Max Scherzer in the third game of the ALCS. And then um, tomorrow I'm going to do a column on uh, the Texans at the bye week, why they're 3-3 three and three for the first time since uh, 2019, and what D'Amico Lyons and C.J. Stroud have meant to this organization. There you go. Great stuff as always, John. We appreciate you. Kid, thank you very much. Absolutely. The great John McClain right there, the Hall of Famer, John McClain, Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL and with us each and every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. 3.15 is the time. We'll get back to some texts and some calls at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. Don't forget we have Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 3.30 to break down all things silver and black. Before we get to the calls and before we get to the text, and I'll throw the question out there, the trade deadline is 14 days away. Do you expect the Raiders to make a move? And if so, 
What side of the ball would you like to see addressed and at what position? Before we get to any of that, I do want to go back inside the Raiders locker room. We'll wrap this up today as we officially turn the page to week seven starting on tomorrow. But uh, let's hear from a guy who I'm pretty impressed with so far, what he's been able to do the last few weeks. That's rookie tight end Michael Mayer. Uh, He had a big-time performance, had five catches on the day, three on the opening drive. Here's Michael Mayer in the Raiders locker room. Do you sense the breakout game today? Some kind of during the week kind of felt coming? I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I felt the most comfortable I felt out there all year long, that's for sure. And, um, I'm really glad Jimmy was, uh, you know, seeing me. And even Hoy came in and threw me a ball, which was great. Um, so, like I said, I, 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 I'm trying to keep the same attitude and the same mentality going into practice every day, going to the game every day, whether I have zero catches or six catches. Like, that's kind of where I'm at in my career right now. I'm just trying to come out here and be the best footballer I can be. So three catches on the first on first drive alone. I mean, was, was that like part of the plan coming in? You said, hey, let's establish this early. I don't think it was part of the plan. I think it just happened. I really do. Um, I think Jimmy saw I was open a couple times, and he got me the ball. And um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more of that for sure. A lot of uh, there's a lot of physical uh, running through some guys on that one uh, run after the catch. I think you were pretty emotional after. I mean, you just kind of yeah. feel good about that. Part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Showing some energy there for sure. Uh, you know, that's what I needed. I needed a little spark there. Um, you know, for my rookie season. And, um, I was really excited. I definitely got some energy going there. So, um, yeah, feeling well, feeling good today. Did the defense make any adjustments to try to get the ball out of your hands in the second half, you felt like? Or? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to watch the film. Um, you know, I'm not totally out there watching the defense the entire time. I'm in, I'm coming out, who's going in, things like that. So, we'll watch the film, we'll see some things, but, um, yeah. You mentioned being more comfortable right this week. What is slowing down for you? What's starting to click? Oh, I think I'm understanding the offense way more um, in terms of where to be, what to do, things like that. I'm understanding it way more. And um, I think it just came with time a little bit. It came with uh, repetition. It came with playing in games instead of just going against our defense in camp, things like that. Um, and, um, you know, that's that, that's kind of what it is. It, it just took me a second to kind of understand it, and I think it's kind of clicking for me now. Do you have a moment, or has it been a gradual process? It's been a gradual process, for sure. It's been a gradual process. Um, and, you know, my teammates have been with me the whole time. Coach Jerry's been great. Coach McDaniel's been great. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of keep this thing going. Anybody in particular you've been leaning on in terms of teammates, players? Hoop's been great. Hoop's been great. This is his eighth year in the league, and he's been great to help me out. Um, and he's been a great presence. Jesper, this is his fifth year. Uh, he's been great, too. So we got a great tight end room, fantastic tight end room with good guys. We saw your uh, draft classmate, Trey Tucker, made a pretty big impact, too. You guys have longest played from scrimmage on the air. What, what's your relationship like with him? You guys both are rookies coming in. With who? Good. Sorry? Uh, Trey. Yeah. yeah. He was my roommate for the first three months I was in Vegas ever. So uh, probably one of my, my best friends on the team, my best buddies in the class for sure. Um, he got to show his speed. I mean, that. That's, that's what he does every day in practice. What you guys just saw, that's what he does every day in practice. Holy threw a great ball to get it to him. Um, and that's the type of player he is. He can run past dudes and he can catch, and he's fast as heck. So uh, what you saw today from him, uh, there'll be a lot more of that too. What do you feel like being on the sideline, seeing the defense finish it off again two weeks in a row now? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, our defense has stepped up big, huge. Crosby's having a heck of a year. Uh, Rob Spill's having a heck of a year. Everybody's you know, working hard on the defense and, and getting it together. Johnny inspiration from a Notre Dame's game yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huge, huge. They needed that big time after what happened last week. Um, but, yeah, that got me hyped for sure. Yeah, I texted some of my buddies before the game. What was, what was the key to you guys, like, continuing to, you know, Jimmy goes down at halftime, Brian comes in. Like, you guys have to maintain that. Like, what was the key to kind of that? Contract? Yeah, I think we're going to do what was working in the first half. We're going to do the second half. I think that, that was uh, pretty clear. Um, 
and I don't think we really changed that much up. You know, we got tons of trust in Hoy, so it's not like you're going to change up your whole game plan just because Jim went down. Um, so, yeah. There you go. There's uh, Michael Mayer, rookie tight end in the Raiders locker room following the game, following the 21-17 victory over the New England Patriots. Really good stuff from him. I think we're going to get Lincoln Kennedy about 340, 345. Just got word for him. We just had to push back just a couple minutes, and that's okay. Still plenty of time for open time, open lines, and text as well at 702-365-9200. Got some really good text talking about the trade deadline, as that's a topic that I threw out there. But, of course, you can always chime in on just about anything. The trade deadline is 14 days away. Do you expect the Raiders to make a move? And if so, what side of the ball would you like to see be addressed and what position? And I mentioned – Probably about an hour ago almost at this point that I got a really good tweet that I wanted to make sure I addressed from Laker E. Uh, and he said, I would love either uh, Daniil Hunter, Brian Burns, or Chase Young. So obviously he's talking about the defensive line. But then he took it a step further, and this is where it really got good and intriguing. Oh, I heard Denver make clean house. Could Patrick Sertain be available? Woo! Now we all know how I feel about corners, <laughs> right? We all know how I feel about dudes like that. And I would love for the Raiders to make a move to go and get Patrick Sertan, and I know that, you know, uh, you're going to look at it and say, well, I don't see there's any way that the Raiders are going to be able to make a trade inside their division. I would say this. If it wasn't Sean Payton there, <laughs> I would say that there is a, a way that they could make a move for a guy like that. But I don't see Sean Payton trading with the Raiders. I just don't. Uh, I just I feel like that he would be that guy that even if that was the best uh, deal for the team, the best move for the team, he'd say, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I would love that, though. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't hold my breath, but uh, that would be a hell of an addition. You know, and I mentioned that earlier that I do think that they need uh, a, a nice young. I don't want to say shutdown corner because it's so hard to be a shutdown corner in the league, but a real top-notch uh, corner. I would love for them to find a way to get a dude like that. Uh, I was a big fan of his when he was coming out of Alabama. I uh, knew that there was probably no chance that the Raiders were going to be able to get him. But, man, uh, he's a heck of a player. And I know he hasn't had the greatest season, but then again, the Broncos are 1-5. Nobody's had a great season there in Denver. So, um, yeah, as much as it sounds good to me, I think that's more of a pipe dream than anything else. But, man, <laughs> you want to talk about, you know, you want to talk about something that would look really good playing there in Allegiant Stadium, uh, you know, across from Ja'Korian Bennett, across from Marcus Peters, across from Meek Robertson, whatever the case may be be Pat Sertan holding down one side of the field would be awesome just saying just throwing that out there but like I said I don't think that that's a real deal possibility I uh, got a text from grumpy ass Mexican that said so I was one of those fans that wasn't very high on the Patrick Graham hiring he has done well these last few games I like that he's using players to their strength and hope he can keep it up we should be up in the top 15 defense if we trade for a player what position do you think we trade for I want a player like defensive tackle Leonard Williams or a DN if you were to give a percentage on Renfro being traded, what would it be? I think you can go with Aiden O'Connell. So he, if he's not doing well, you could bring in Hoyer. He's used to being brought in mid-game as a backup. Also, do you think if Carr was here on the second year as a starter under the system, do you think he'd be doing better than Jimmy G has done? You see McDaniel's locker room post-game speeches as a victory. If that's as wild as he gets, how wild does he get before a game or during halftime? He don't hype me up like Gruden or Del Rio did. Does he do it for you? Does he make you want to run through a wall? And, man, Amber Theo Harris is the truth. Love it when she comes on from yesterday. Thanks for a good show. That's grumpy-ass Mexican. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's a lot of breakdown right there. And I guess I'll kind of go uh, in reverse order. Amber Theo Harris is fantastic. She is always fantastic. That's why we have her on the show. She's a good friend of the, of the show and, and always uh, has no problem with giving us some extended time. So, yeah, she is spot on. There's a reason why she's on SiriusXM Radio. Been covering the NFL longer than I've been covering the NFL. And – 
There's a reason why she does the Silver and Black show for the Silver and Black as well, you know, with James Jones and Eric Allen, because, again, she knows her stuff. Uh, she's fantastic. Uh, as far as Carr goes, doesn't matter. I don't even want to get into that. It doesn't even matter. He's not here. Uh, as far as Aiden O'Connell, I understand the, the gist of that. We had a call earlier say that Aiden O'Connell, if he starts and then he doesn't, doesn't play very well, then just to bring Brian Hoyer in. My thing with that is why even go there? Just let Brian Hoyer start. He's a veteran. There's most likely going to be a youngster, a rookie, uh, getting the start with for Chicago. So why, why have you know youth against youth? Why don't you have a Wiley veteran that you know in Brian Hoyer that can go make it happen You know, and have an opportunity to get a game that the Raiders should win? There's no doubt the Raiders should win this game against the Bears. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, right? We know how that goes. So why even leave it the chance? Why, you know, what if Aiden O'Connell makes a couple mistakes early and all of a sudden the Raiders, you know, turn the ball over and get down 14 points and they're not able to come back? We know there's struggles in the red zone, right? So I, I just – I don't think you take it the chance. I think you let uh, Brian Hoyer go out there and, and, and give it his best shot. Again, if it's a one- to two-week thing, I think Hoyer's the best guy for the job. If it's going to be a long-term thing, then go ahead and let Aiden O'Connell get his burn. That's uh, as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you were given a percentage on Renfro being traded, what would it be? Well, given the fact that they don't use him, like Adam Hill said, he's being used for, uh, you know, fair catching a, a, a punt on a, on, after a safety. Um, I would probably say 70% just because, again, I don't see him, you know, being used at all. So what's the point of having him on the roster? What's the point of paying him if you're not using him? I just to me it doesn't make any sense. It's like having a you know a, a, an awesome vehicle in your garage, but you don't drive it. Well, what's the point of that, <laughs> right? I mean, and and I don't honestly, to be honest with you, 100, percent I don't even know what the disconnect is. I don't know why he's not being used. I don't think anyone could actually answer that question on why he's not being used. And so I stopped even asking the question. I asked early in the season, but now that you're kind of you're six weeks in, you kind of know what it is. Uh, as far as trading for a player, a DN or a D tackle, like you mentioned, Leonard Williams or a DN, yeah, I'm good with that. That's that was my suggestion is that they trade for a guy that's a you know a defensive lineman if they could find one that's at a reasonable price. You know, if they feel the need to do that this season, like if they're in a good enough position where they think that that could be a difference maker that can help them with the now. Uh, if you're not trying to win for the now. And unless he's a guy that you look at and say, okay, I could help build – we could build around this guy as well, Max, him, and, you know, Tyree Wilson when he gets up to speed, then then cool. But I wouldn't want to give up too much unless it's a difference maker like, a you know, a Pat Sertan, how we talked earlier, which that guy is not going to be uh, a Raider. So th- there you go. And Patrick Graham, I've been, I've been giving the, the defense their, their flowers. I think that they've done a, a really good job of keeping Raiders in the game and giving them chances to win games. Uh, I know some people are slower to the party, but uh, I've been I've been there the whole time. And Patrick Graham, we got a chance to talk to him earlier today, and uh, you'll hear from him a little bit later on. As <laughs> matter of fact, he gave me the highest compliment ever, and he didn't realize it. I asked him a question, and he basically was stuck, and he was like, "Man, sorry, I lo- I lost concentration. You sound like one of those uh, TV TV guys or something like that." I said, "Or a radio dude, right?" So uh, <laughs> you know, uh, sounded like I should be on the radio or being on TV is what he said. And he apologized. I was like, hey, "Ain't no reason to apologize." I, you know, I know you don't know, but I spend some time on the radio every day, so I should sound like that guy. So yeah, I, I wasn't mad at that at all. So uh, good stuff right there uh, from Patrick Graham, and thank you, grumpy ass Mexican, for the text as well. Uh, we'll take a quick break, Ari. Is what we want to do? Take a quick break or. Okay, let's go ahead and get one more call in at 702-365-9200. Gangster Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Yeah, what's happening? I just want to talk about um, the disconnect in the red zone and the fact that Josh Jacobs has no um, receiving touchdowns. That's 
that's part of the problem right there. I would think that with um, Josh Jacobs being on our team and utilizing him correctly in the red zone, first of all, we don't utilize him right running the ball. So since we're not utilizing him right running the ball in the red zone, we should at least use him to pass on the ball and at least get one touchdown or two. You know, he doesn't have any touchdowns, receiving touchdowns in his whole career, which is mind-boggling to me because I thought when we got John Gruden, I thought John Gruden would utilize the screen game and the passing game with the running backs more, especially in the red zone because we had that red zone issue. But when Gruden didn't do it, when we got this so-called offensive genius as a head coach, McDaniels, I'm thinking, okay, well, now we finally get to going to use Josh Jacobs and the running backs correctly in the red zone because they used to do it in New England, and I think he was the coordinator then, the offensive coordinator then when they used to do it in New England. But for some reason, they don't use the running backs or Josh Jacobs or any running back at all. They're not even the um, fullback. They don't even remember when um, number 45, I forget the um, – uh, um, was his name before the one that got, he used to catch passes in the yeah, red zone right. more than Josh Jacobs or any other um running back. I forget his name. You know the one we used to like. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he's not a Raider no more. I think he went to Miami. Yeah, he's in Miami. We used to use him in the passing game more. Why aren't we using the running back, especially Josh Jacobs, who shows he can catch out the backfield? Why aren't we using him in the end zone? And why does Josh Jacobs have? What I think he has five thousand rushing yards and yep. zero passing touchdowns, and he can catch the ball the ball out the backfield. You know what I'm saying? I can see if he was on any other team, I bet you he averaged at least ten passing touchdowns a game. But for some reason, since he with the Raiders, he has no passing touchdowns as a, um in his career, and that's a disconnect. If you use those, I think we get at least two more touchdowns per game. You know what I'm saying? And also, as far as starting quarterback, if Jimmy G can't play, let's go with Ace. But. All right, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And look, um, Josh Jacobs has been in the league for quite a while, and he hasn't got a touchdown pass yet. So, I mean, that's not exclusive to the Josh McDaniels. Alec Ingold is who you're talking about as far as the, the former fullback. Jakob Johnson is not, a, is not that guy. He's not a receiver. He's not a running back. I mean, he's a blocker. That's who he is. So, he's not, he's not Alec Ingold. They don't use him like uh, the Raiders use Alec, Alec Ingold or like Miami uses him. He's not that guy. So, and Josh Jacobs has actually had some targets in the red zone this year. Um, one pass he caught out of bounds, and I want to say that was against the Chargers. I think Aiden O'Connell threw him uh, that ball into the end zone. Matter of fact, there was a couple passes thrown to him in the end zone. So it's not like they're not trying to do it. It hasn't worked, but this isn't exclusive to Josh McDaniels because, well, Josh Jacobs has been in the league more than just the last two seasons. So, I mean, you know, you could, you could point the finger at Josh McDaniels all you want, but Jacobs just hasn't got a touchdown catch. And part of the problem, in my opinion, with the red zone is not enough throwing into the end zone. There's too many times that you throw the ball short and expect a running back like Jacobs to catch the ball, uh, you know, and make a, a guy miss a tackle. That's half the problem. And that's what I thought Jimmy G was going to do when he came to the Raiders is throw the ball in the end zone like he did with Jacoby Myers. That's what I want to see more of, not the ball thrown out of bounds over Devontae Adams' head or over Jacoby Myers' head or some fade route to the corner that, you know, there's a 25% chance he might come up with it, but something that's on a line to a wide receiver in the end zone. 
That's what I think needs to happen more times than not. That's been the biggest disconnect. It's not really throwing screen passes to Josh Jacobs in the in the field of play. They got to get that ball in the end zone. Three thirty one is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We got Lincoln Kennedy coming up in a few minutes as well. It's Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Just got a couple minutes here before we get to Lincoln Kennedy, so what I want to do is go back inside the Raiders locker room and uh, hear from Jacoby Myers. He had five catches on the day, had the one touchdown to throw into the end zone, something I'd like to see more of, but a nice little play, Jimmy G to Jacoby Myers. Here's that conversation in the Raiders locker room. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the guys in this room, we put a lot not even just keep on the path, but you know, we, we feel like we gave a lot to that team also. So it was good seeing them players, man, good. Going against a team where we know we felt like we contributed and just getting a W against them. Like, it felt good to a lot of guys. Walk us through the I think they might have busted on that one. I ended up getting a one-on-one with outside leverage. I knew what he was trying to defend. I sat to him that was. Julian Edelman has said that he's a little help when it comes to uh, making decisions in the offensive side of the ball. I'm not going to press you too much anymore, but. You can't help but notice what happened today. I'm not even, I mean, as a guy who was with a lot of those guys, I know it's a lot of talent on that team. You know what I mean? So I'm not even going to sell them out like that. Like, those guys who play football, I just feel like with a lot of change. They had a bunch of change in that, on that team, period, over the last couple of years. So they just working through some things. And I ain't going to sit out here and just dump fire on them. You know what I mean? Like, they, they got game. They definitely got players. They just working through some what was the mindset once you found out Jimmy G was going to be out? I hope he's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of heard what he had going on, and I need to hit him up just to make sure he's good. The emotional state going to the game, you know, was it a little higher or lower, just kind of right in the middle of what you thought it would be? Um, more so in the middle, but it was, it did creep up a little bit as game time came, you know what I mean? It was – I was just excited, you know I, mean? I definitely was excited for just all of it, to see everybody to play them because I've been in practice against them a lot, so just – all of it, man. But I tried to stay in the middle the best I can. What's been your impression of uh, Michael Mayer this season? I guess also today, especially. <laughs> Did his thing, man. He, he getting better and better every day. Every day, man. Soft hands, can run with the ball. He work hard every day. He come in, same guy every day. So he, I'm proud of him. You see his confidence kind of developing a little bit? Or developing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, more plays you make, that's kind of how I go. You know, you just find your rhythm. And I feel like if you just keep pushing them forward, keep paying attention, you're going to be all right. Did you had a chance to connect with Belichick and all that? I ain't even get to see him, man. It's all good, though. <laughs> what was it like seeing the defense close it out again, the second game in a row? What, man, we need it, man. We need it because some of those times we probably had a chance to close out ourselves and we couldn't do it, and they came out and had our back, man. So it was a lot of things said about them earlier in the year, man. I just love for them to prove doubters wrong, man, just go out there and be their best self. You feel like they're getting close to that point? Not quite there yet, but feel like they're, they're getting really close? I'm hoping so, for sure. You know what I mean, I don't, don't want to put a limit on them, but yeah. I do feel like they they are getting better week in, week out. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, we won, so I'm gonna take that. So, Your thoughts on Brian just coming in and then having that 48 yard bomb to trade, so kind of shutting the crowd up a little bit. What do you think of that? Uh, he dropped them on that one for sure. He, he 
dropped him. You know, that's a, that's a big time throw, man, a big time situation. Like that's that game meant a lot to him too. Uh, Brian was with me over with the Patriots too, so I understand what that moment went to him. So I'm just happy for him, man. I'm happy that he got that chance. And Jacoby, uh, you know, Michael Mayer had a big game. You've had some big games. Devontae has too. Do you feel like it's a matter of time before you all have a big game in the same game? No. I feel like we still haven't played our best team football. You know what I mean? And I think every time we play a game, we inch closer to that, and we just trying to all put it out there at the same time. We know you take it one week at a time, one game at a time, but being 3-3 three and three now, how does that feel? What, what does that mean to you right now? Uh, you get a breath for the night, you know what I mean? But then we got to get right back on it, and we go in and watch that film and try to get four and three. You know feel I mean? like you're right there in the thick of things now? Oh, yeah, definitely. We got a chance, you know what I mean? It's just how bad do we want it. Jacoby Myers right there in the Raiders locker room, and I love what he said about Brian Hoyer, and he said that was a big – he dropped him. He said he dropped him. And what he did is when he said he dropped him, I know this isn't TV, but he had his hands out below his legs. So talking about he dropped his stones on him when he threw that 48-yard bomb because everybody was booing when he was out there, and he said he dropped him, and he had his hands out like he's holding his stones, if you know what I mean. He dropped his stones on everybody that was booing him. I thought that that was important, and I love the fact that he had his, his, his teammates back. I thought that that was big. Jacoby Myers in the Raiders locker room. 3.39 is the time. Lincoln Kennedy joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's the early part of the season. It's all about improving each day. You know, coach talks about it. I hear the players talk about it. We got to improve each day. If you start feeling good about what you did the prior week, complacency is a killer in this league. So each day we're trying to improve. This Tuesday we're trying to improve as we build towards Chicago. Then when we hit the practice field tomorrow, it's about improvement. And that's the main thing you got to do throughout the season. Las Vegas Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins Unnecessary Roughness right now on Raider Nation Radio. You heard from Raiders defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. He met with us earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. You'll hear some more from him coming up at the top of the hour. But Lincoln Kennedy joins us right now on the phone lines. He joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday around this time, and we definitely appreciate him. And, Lincoln, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you, brother. It's great to catch up with you today on the Raiders Roundtable. You never complain about a win, and the Raiders have reeled off two in a row by the strength of their defense. What have you thought about what the defense has been able to do? Well, I've been impressed with the, what, what the defense has done. I mean, let's face it, we, we came into this season thinking that the defense was probably going to be the weakness of this team, and right now through the first half of the season, it's the strength. So we've got to get the offense off the snide, but right now defense has done enough to make me happy. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I've been saying that. I've been trying to give them a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. Is it perfect? No, but it's been enough, Like especially against the teams that they're playing, and that's what matters is beating the teams that you're supposed to beat, correct? That's exactly right. I mean, the thing is, is that you can't take anything for granted. In this league, or like any professional league, any given game day, any guy, anybody could be beat. But it's what you do with it. And this week, this past weekend against the Patriots, the Raiders found a way to win. So you can do nothing more than to tip your hat to them. It doesn't matter if it's one point or 30 points. A win is a win. Yeah, it is. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Jimmy G goes down at halftime. Brian Hoyer came in. What did you think of the performance that Hoyer did in the second half? I thought it was solid, but everyone knows that Hoyer has some limitations. I mean, right. he's been a sort of a journeyman around the league for 15 years, and he's been able to survive. That's not a problem, but there's a reason why he's a backup. So, you know, without Jimmy G, and it doesn't look like he's probably going to play this week, um, he might be down. The Raiders are left with the, the decision on who they're going to start at quarterback, O'Connor or, or Hoyer. And last time they had this decision was week three against the Chargers. They went with O'Connell. Do you think they make the same decision this week? I would think that in this 
in this frame, as important as this game is, and I say because, you know, you share the 3-3 three and three spot with, what, 13 other teams in the NFL? Yep. Something yep. like that. Um, this is important for you to get a win. O'Connell looked good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying that the future is a possibility for him. I just don't know if he's right right now, and you need to win right now. So I'm I'm for I'm saying go with Hoyer. I, I would think they, they should go with Hoyer, secure this win, and then of course as as the progress is on, you figure out the, the severity of uh, Garoppolo's injury, then you can start working in O'Connell with the, the number ones practicing to maybe see if that's going to happen again. Again, Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Had a question from a listener about the run game and the lack of being able to get to the second level. Uh, what are you seeing when you're uh, sitting up there next to Jason Horowitz in the press box? Well, the, the thing is not always the fact of not, not being able to get to the second level. The thing is comes to the, comp- the, the communication between two players working together. Case in point, when the Raiders went for it on fourth down and they gave the inside gift to, uh, to, to Jacobs, there was, there was a missed block. Their defensive tackle made, ta- made the tackle. And one of the reasons that, that happened was because um, Colton Miller was working with uh, Thayer Munford on the backside of the tight end tackle swap where they're supposed to tandem block the first level defensive line to the second level. Well, Colton Miller left a tad too early, and Thayer Munford wasn't able to recover, so the defensive tackle ended up making the, making the, the, the play. And it was, it was a huge play. The reason why I bring it up is, as, as an example, that's what's been happening all this season, Q, with the lack of communication and the lack of just being able to work together. There have been times where this offensive line has been physical. There's also been times where I'm scratching my head like, why are you guys so soft? Um, but people are keen on the run. They want to take the run away. They want to make the Raiders one-dimensional, and they know the best, that's the best way to do it. Lincoln, what do you think the reason is for the lack of communication? That I don't know. I mean, I would have to be privy to the locker room, to the huddle, to the line play. I mean, it's, it's, I can't hear from up in the press box if they right. are talking, you know what I mean, other than Andre James communicating the most dangerous linebacker. But for the most part, I don't know. I, it, and maybe it's just the way they were told. I, I really can't be Honestly, I can't tell you. Yeah, no, I, I get that. You know, the, the thing is, is, and you know, I mean, you played it at the highest level at a, at a great level. That position, that offensive line, they've got to be one cohesive unit. And if the communication's not there, they can't be a cohesive unit. And that just kind of blows my mind that they're not there yet. Well, it's, it's mainly the reason because you haven't, you haven't had a set offensive line. You've been playing with different combinations. Right. I mean, even Van Wooten, he's new to the, for this year. You've been playing with different combinations for what? The, the, I mean, the last umpteenth years? Right. Depending on who you want to look at, how you want to look at it. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Offensive lines perform better, too, when they're together. And right. they stay together. And they figure out their strengths. They, they figure out their weaknesses. And they use it to help to strengthen one another, to play with one another. The guys that I played with for a long time, there was a lot of nonverbal communication. But if I could come up there one time, you know, when I had Mo Collins as my guard, mm. I used to call him Pup because they used to call me Big Dog. So if <laughs> I came up and I said Pup, 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 then he knew I was working with him. Right. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. seems like that, that that you can take advantage of. I just don't think they have that familiarity with one another just yet. No, they clearly don't. That's a great point that you bring up, and we're talking with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Is Thayer Mumford a guy you look at that could be a long-term solution at the right tackle spot? I will say this, Q. Thayer Mumford has shown progress from where he was last year with his feet and pass pro to where he is now. Not a finished product, product right. yet, in my, my opinion, 
He still needs help. You still need a chip. You still need a tight end over there to help him out or a running back to help him out to help secure that edge. But it is, he has shown a lot of promise and a lot of progress in my eyes. What do you think about could Illuminor potentially be that right guard? You know what? Here's the thing, Q. Because we've seen so many combinations, Yeah, I really don't care what combination they decide on as long as they stick with it. Right. That's a good point. That's you know, a good point. You're going, you're going to take your lumps. Yeah. You're going to take your business. Those guys get paid over there as well. But mm-hmm. you need to be mindful. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with a quarterback who's fragile, susceptible to injury, so we need to, we need to accentuate protection. That's first and foremost. We're not going to go anywhere if we can't protect them, right? Right. And then with the run game, it's about communicating, bringing in the receiver, bringing in somebody extra to block that you know, seventh and eighth man in the box, or at least letting Jacobs know, hey, this is where that unblocked guy is coming from. If you see him, run the other way because we're taking care of business on the front end. I mean, it's things like that. So I, I really, it doesn't bother me what combination it is. I just know that because they have, they've been, you know, they haven't necessarily decided on a combination which they want to use. That's where you still have the roughness. That's where you see the, the problems that have a, 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 you know, started for the offensive line. What did you think when Brian Hoyer came in and hit that 48-yard shot to Trey Tucker, the first deep shot that we've seen connected for the Raiders all season? It's the proper read. I've had my, I've talked to my fair share of deep, uh, defensive coordinators, and they've all said, we're not worried about the deep ball because you've not shown signs of it. That's what you need. You need a receiver that can stretch the field. More importantly, you need a quarterback who's going to get in the football. The, re- the reason why that, that was so wide open and the way it was is because the safeties had already – you know, committed to Jacobs and Devontae and, uh, and Myers, they didn't necessarily not notice number 11 running behind them. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those are things that you need to take advantage of. And you need to put it in the defensive coordinator's mind that we have the potential to do this. We're not afraid to do this, to take this shot. If you want to play shallow with your two safeties or your one safety, you don't want to make sure that there's no one that gets behind you. When someone gets behind you, we're going to take that shot. And they 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 committed to to Devontae and and you know Jacoby and and you know other guys underneath because the Raiders don't take those deep shots, right? That well, that's what it appears to be. I yeah. mean, the most that we've seen out of Devontae without him being decapitated with some of those over the middle hits. Right. Um, the most we've seen is this deep dig routes, right? It's not like last year where we had the bend routes or the option routes like we saw in Denver when they won in Denver in overtime. That was a bend route because. The defensive back thought he was going to go one way. He just bent it back the other way. Derek hit him for a walk-off touchdown. It right. hasn't been like that recently. I don't know if he has fear in the defensive coordinators or defense's mind that it will happen. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. The rookie tied in. Michael Mayer had five catches. Three of them came on the first drive. What have you thought about his, uh, his way he's progressed so far through the season? Well, the biggest thing is I knew he was a good pass catcher. I remember watching him. And when he was at Notre Dame and watching his route running, how it improved over the year. The big thing that I have for Mayer is his blocking, his end blocking, his defensive line blocking, his down blocking, his run blocking, mainly because that allows the Raiders to open up the potential to get on, to have stretch plays, to get on the perimeter. They really don't have that luxury right now because they're not as strong or as efficient at the, in those areas at blocking the perimeter. No, they're not. They're not. Uh, I, I felt like he was getting more confident. He even sounded. We, we heard his interview uh, with Amber Theo Harris and James Jones and Eric Allen while we were recording the Raider Roundtable. He sounds a lot more confident, like he's getting comfortable in the NFL. Well, the big thing is that no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable he is, he's a weapon that you need to utilize. There's a reason why you traded up to get him, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you went after him. He's supposed to be the future. Use him. And I, right. don't, know, I don't know McDaniel's offense is intric- intricately enough to say how they, 
how they, you know, decipher information, how they give information. I've been on offenses where I've heard offensive coordinators say, okay, we're going to go, you know, jet right, 300 sweep left, and I want you to throw it to the X, or I want you to throw it to the Z. And I've saw quarterbacks that force it. Okay, the X is open, I'm going to throw it to him. Or if the Z's not open, I'm still going to try to throw it to him half time to turnover. So my, the point is, is that if you want to utilize your weapons, it might just have to be where you, you state in, your, in the huddle, hey, I want this ball to go to Myers. Hey, look for Devontae. He's being single covered. Hey, right. they, have a, they have a linebacker that can't run with Meyer. However it is, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how the or mayor. That's, how, that's what you need to do because they need to get more efficient. It's, it's really a sad thing when you think about it, Q, the fact that we're six games into it, and it wasn't until this past weekend where we finally got over the point, 20 points. Right, that's right. That's sad. Yeah, no, I agree. I've been saying it every week, and that was on the strength of the defense getting a safety at the end, exactly. right? Yep. You know, that that goes back to the one and six in the red zone. And we'll close out with the red zone. Um, you know, there's got to be a lot of combinations of why the Raiders have struggled in the red zone, but this is not exclusive to just this staff. It's been for years that they've struggled in the red zone. What do you see that's the biggest, you know, hang-up in the red zone? It comes down to execution. It comes down to there's, there's that time lack of concentration. When you get in the red zone and you have penalties, that back you up or slow you down, it makes it hard. Penalties on offense are what I call drive killers. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If it's a holding, illegal hands, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it, drives, it kills the momentum. Because then you have to make up the yards that you're being pushed back on as well as the yards that you need to get another first down or a touchdown. When you're in a red zone, everything is condensed. So execution has got to be at a, at a greater intensity, and you have to put more effort into it because – the thing is, is that the defenses are going to have—they have a lot of things that work in their favor. The back of the end zone is a cutoff. The out of bounds are a cutoff. You don't have as much room as you do in the open space. And over no, the you... past couple of years, we've been spoiled by seeing this team move between the twenties. But as yeah. soon as it gets in the red zone, we're settling for threes. That's not right. good. No, it's not going to work at all. Well, Lincoln, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good, bud. We'll talk to you later. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, definitely appreciate his time. When we come back, you'll hear from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.